Hello, and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 92, John and Wendy Talk to Heidi Pancake. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. Happy Thanksgiving, John. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Wendy. It's yet again another episode coming yep. out on, a, on, an, on an American holiday. <laughs> I, it's funny how that works, right? These Thursdays. Oh, eh, amazing. that going to happen. Know, it, it will, because until they change Thanksgiving to not be on a Thursday, it's, or we change what we put we, on our podcast. I, I don't, yeah, I don't think, I didn't think we hit Thanksgiving last year. Maybe we did. I know we didn't talk about it. Well, we did because it, um, we've put out Molly Lombardi's that's uh, right. podcast that's right. and asking people to uh, give to HR Gives Back. So i Happened to look that up the other day. I don't know why, but <laughs> you you were getting prepared. You were showing I was. True, a true host ability to prep for this. People are listening. If they're listening on Thanksgiving, yes. uh, we're glad to be part of that. Any big plans at your household? What do you all do? Any, any um, traditions, any fun stuff you got that's going to be going on there? Uh, just a lot of food, watching uh, football. I don't know if we're going to do it here at my in-laws this year, but I have... Uh, I have perfected my turkey recipe, and I, I have to admit I get a little testy if someone wants to do Thanksgiving instead of us because nobody's turkey beats mine. I'm just going to say it. So, yeah, I uh, brine it in an apple cider brine and then cook it with bacon on top. It's nice and juicy, and the next day and the leftovers are just as juicy and yummy. So I'm not uh, not switching that up for sure. How about you? Well, first of all, I guess next year I'm coming to your house. <laughs> Because that sounds really good. We have everything here uh, because we don't travel at Thanksgiving anywhere else. So we'll have everybody here. I got into deep frying tur- turkeys, gosh, I don't know, 10 years ago. Sure. And I did it for a while and then I got away from it. I kind of miss doing that. I have to say, though, it was really funny. I remember the first time I really heard much about it. Gosh, it's been 20 plus years ago. I was living in Kansas City at the time. And it was the Saturday before Thanksgiving. The local CBS affiliate, I'm watching the Saturday morning news. And they're talking about... Oh, you know, here's how you deep fry a turkey because that was kind of a new hot thing, right? Sure. And they put a frozen turkey oh, in the no. fryer and it it cannonballed. <laughs> it went straight up in the air like a fireball. I remember thinking that was so damn funny. For those of you that don't know, you don't put a frozen turkey no. in the fr- in a deep fryer. It is bad news waiting to happen and no, no, you, no, bad no. things can happen to your house. So yeah. um, if you if you do deep fry, practice safely and practice safety yes. and practice it safely. <laughs> yes. Oh. No, I will hang out. We'll watch the Macy's Day Parade. It's one of my personal favorite things now, yep. even though they don't show as many of the marching bands anymore. I'll get over it. <laughs> we'll celebrate and and we'll probably put together. Uh, we are a Lego house at Christmas time. Okay. Heidi has my wife. Heidi that is has all the holiday sets, and so typically after lunch on Thanksgiving, we'll start putting those together and putting oh, them okay. up in the, in the living room and all. So oh, super fun, that. great time to be together. And yeah. and again, if you're listening to this show. Hopefully you're you're spending time with whomever that may be, mm-hmm. whatever family you want it to be. Yes. And if we're part of your family, we are thankful for you. And as always, we thank everybody for listening. We thank our sponsors. Yeah. Wendy, thank you for for coming along for this ride for so long. And you know, <laughs> oh, uh, thank you for inviting me, John. Yeah, th- and thanks to thanks to all our listeners and the community that keep us going. Um, as long as you guys keep listening, and as long as it's fun, we'll keep doing it. That's right. There we go. Well, we might need antacids at this point on Thursday, but. <laughs> For now, I'm really yeah. excited to have our guest on. 
I'm going to let you make the introduction and we will get started. Yes. Awesome. So, so excited to welcome Heidi Pancake to the show. We got to hang out with her at Embark uh, earlier this year and at SHRM19. So always fun to put a face to those Twitter profiles. With the perspective of a life filled with diverse experiences spanning homelessness to Michelin star restaurants, Heidi is able to bring empathy to her HR practice at all times. She values inclusivity and authenticity above all else and is never afraid to say the hard things that inspire change. Heidi, welcome to the show. And our first question is, what's in your glass? Uh, I am drinking from a can today. It's Pamplemousse LaCroix, my favorite flavor. Pamplemousse? Pamplemousse. It's actually grapefruit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking moose flavored, yeah, moose flavored, okay, interesting, yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here, Heidi. I think it's safe to say you're the first person to be drinking Pamplemousse Lacroix yeah. on the show. Great. So kudos, kudos to you. I think we've had Lacroix drinkers or you know water. Oh yeah, we've had Lacroix. But sure. but I I, yeah, I think flavor. I think you're the first with Pomplemousse. Yeah. Yes, it's it's actually quite it, it may be one of their um, most popular flavors, but it's actually supplied by my office on the regular. So I when I'm at the office, I, I make sure to grab a couple for the day. Excellent. I know you recently went through a, just made a job change, and you've been in, in HR for for some time now. How exactly did you get your start in HR? Yes. Yeah, so it's kind of a funny story. I um, I was a executive assistant at an investment bank, um, Bank of America, bank with a C though, not to be confused with bank with a K. And um, we, we were in the Transamerica building in San Francisco and my boss happened to be the um, campus lead for the campus recruitment efforts at UVA. And my um, boss was traveled about 85% of the time, right? So what that meant was her job was to welcome, you know, the students that were, that had been recruited and got um, stationed in San Francisco, which was kind of a offset of the main uh, incoming class that would be in New York. And because she traveled, traveled so much, what that meant was it was really my job to make sure that they were taken care of, that they were set up for their trainings, that they were given the lay of the land and just sort of welcomed, right? Onboarded is what we call it these days. And so because she traveled, I did it. And at some point I got recognized for being good at it. Unbeknownst to me, I wasn't lobbying for any other job, but I got called to the CEO's office and... <laughs> I was young and and not as uh you know professionally uh smart as I am today and I was wearing probably an inappropriate outfit so in my mind I, I thought oh god I'm get, I'm getting in trouble for my outfit and so I go I walk upstairs to the CEO's office and um sit down making sure to hold my shirt down because it's shorter than it should be in a very respectable investment banking office. And she proceeded to tell me that they wanted me to go to New York and serve on the campus recruitment team as a campus recruiter for the MBA level recruits. Having not gone to college, I said, I can do that. And off I went. Um, these days, I just laugh at the fact that I really thought that the CEO of West Coast Bank of America Securities had any thought about my outfit or time to even worry about it. Um, but yeah, so off I went to New York City, 
they put me up in corporate housing and I just went on a, you know, all expense paid tour to the top colleges in the country, um, doing presentations about the company and getting, getting the school teams together throughout Bank of America and, and just putting on events and really trying to recruit the best of the best. Wasn't easy back in that day because Goldman Sachs was king and we <laughs> were just little Bank of America. It wasn't easy, but it was a, it was a really great job and it really, catapulted me into being really curious about all things HR. And and today I'm a VP of HR for a publicly held company. That's so awesome. I love that. What a great story. Thanks. Can't imagine you wearing anything inappropriate, but... Right, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure you were fine. I'm sure Miss Heidi was fine. Um, <laughs> You know, that led you to working in a variety of industries from Fortune 500 to startup companies um, and to your new role. So what's your favorite part of HR and why? Oh, gosh. I mean, I think it's really hard. A lot of people ask that, right? That's the number one HR question when when you're interviewing. And, and truthfully, I, I, I would say employee relations, probably. And if I had to pick a favorite, I don't really have a favorite. I love it all. But employee relations would be the one if I'm forced to say something. And the reason is because my life has spanned so many different genres of lifestyle, right? If I'm, I know that sounds like an interesting thing to say, but you know, it wasn't a joke. As a kid, I was homeless. My father was a disabled vet. It's, he was 100% disabled, but they didn't recognize his disability. So we lived in cars a lot. And then, you know, my younger years, I um, did a lot. I, I worked three jobs, you know, to keep my, my, my dad and I keeping it together. And then I got older and I still worked two jobs just to be able to afford a life that I had aspired to have. Um, and now, you know, my life is, is, you know, privileged, honestly, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's better than I could have ever imagined. I'm married to a rocket scientist. I have two beautiful kids. I own a home in a wonderful city. I appreciate the perspective I'm able to bring to conversations. And I think I'm really able to connect with people from all walks in order to have real conversations with them about what's going on at work and what do they need help with and what, you know, where they might be contributing to their own dissatisfaction. And I just, I find that really rewarding. And I've ended up really, you know, walking some people through some really tough times and doing it with grace and making sure they feel they've been treated with grace. And, and that's been really valuable to me. Heidi, I think safe to say, I, I think we first got to know you through Twitter. I think so. Yeah, I think, I think it's typically, you know, we used to ask that question, you know, where did we first meet? And people said Twitter, you know, that was usually the resounding answer for the most part. But, you know, talk a little bit, I guess, kind of your path when it came to taking part in social media, you know, how you got started there and why, why did you decide to join Twitter chats when you did? And, you know, kind of what have you seen from that? Yeah. So my, my entree into it was really intentional. I don't do a lot of social media. Um, it's not it to me. I, I, I really try and invest my time in the relationships that I have an actual, you know, um, either we're having phone calls or we're seeing each other in person because there's so little time in the world. And I want to make sure I'm giving the right amount of, um, of, of effort to the ones that are really in my life, right. Regularly. Um, Twitter pushed me past that a little bit because I, I have made some connections on Twitter that I don't converse with, or I don't see all the time, but have really become, um, important to me. But the reason I joined Twitter is because it was back in 2011, I think what year was Sherm in, 
Atlanta. It was Atlanta Sherm. And I was going to my first Sherm conference and I was going by myself. And I had somehow stumbled across Jessica Miller Merle's tweet this and and kind of started, you know, getting curious. And I, I, I found Twitter and I thought this is a way for me to join some conversations so that when I get to Atlanta, there maybe will be some people that I can meet up with and, you know, and have some community with while I'm there. And I found it to, it was a double-edged sword, if I'm being honest. I met Jeff Waldman, who I've been friends with for years now. We chat hmm, probably once a year, not more than that. He's lovely. He's great. He's been a, a great connection from there. But I also noticed this thing that was happening where there were like HR famous people and I thought that was really interesting because, you know, up until then, and you guys know this, up until the last eight years, really, HR has always been kind of like back office and we're really starting to come to the forefront now with everything that's changing in the workplace. It was an interesting experience for me because I really expected to show up and have this community and be one of the, you know, be able to go to dinners and go to parties with people. And I really found it hard to break into. The community had really they kind of had their groups and, um, and just luckily, you know, Jeff Waldman pulled me along and said, you know, be my plus one and, and, and had dinners and, and included me. And so I found that, um, that to be really rewarding. And then of course, you know, Steve Brown, I mean, we all love Steve and, um, I met Steve through Twitter and he was intentional in making sure to say hello in person. And so, um, and I've seen him regularly at the conferences and, and stayed in touch with him via Twitter. And so that was why it was really just to not be a loner at Sherm. Uh, sounds about right. I think that one of the reasons I got started um, really active in the Twitter community was I need to meet people. <laughs> you have somebody to have dinner with. Yes. And I think that I found that, you know, that first year was tough, but the years follow, following after like Chicago that I've gone to in Las Vegas, it was much more the, the crowd of like, HR famous people were much more welcoming and open. And it seems like it's just become more of a, of a movement than it was back then. So that kind of leads us into our next question on conferences themselves. So you've been to quite a few SHRM conferences and you jumped at the chance to join us at mm -hmm. Embark, which was fantastic. So why do you feel it's important for HR professionals to attend conferences? I listen, I think in different parts of your, of your career, it's important for different reasons. I think when you're starting out, there's just a ton to be learned. When you're midway through, you know stuff, but you know, especially if you're in HR department of one, which I think I was in 2011 when I went, it's nice to have camaraderie with people who um, get it and do the same thing you do. And, and it gives you sort of that check and balance, you know, hey, does this sound right? This is how I'm handling these things. So building that community of, of sounding boards. At this point in my career, listen, I, 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 need the, I need the credits to keep my certification. So that's definitely a driver. But even more than that, it's, it's really to um, just really foster my community more and, and see innovative thinkers that maybe aren't doing HR, but we could take some of what they're talking about, like Brittany Brown and, and Cy Wakeman, and, and implement that in our HR practice. Um, and I mean, Lionel Richie. We, we skipped Lionel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm crushed. <laughs> he was worth it. Oh, I'm glad we uh, we we had our own party. So next year you'll you'll have to come to our mm. party instead. <laughs> 
I, I think it, de- it depends on who the guest is. <laughs> <laughs> well, Heidi, regardless, we'll be able to hang out. So whether it's a, a concert yes. or otherwise, I'm sure that we will enjoy uh, hanging out with you again, for sure. Yeah, it's always fun to see you guys. So this does lead us into everyone's favorite part of our show, which is our half-hour question connection. So who was your first professional mentor and what was the most important thing you learned from them? My first professional mentor, I had actually been working in HR sometime, but I was at Warner Brothers um, doing union relations and I had a boss named Ted Rubin and he was just such a champion of mine, really just a great guy, taught me so much. And the most important thing I learned from him is you can't unring the bell. There's got to be more to that story. It's definitely true. <laughs> uh, I would say that's definitely true in union work. <laughs> I heard that from one of my bosses too. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's really, and the funny part is, I think it's probably served me even better in my marriage. I mean, at work, I've, you know, I've always, doing HR, right? I've always been, you know, diplomatic and able to be, Um, smart with my communications. I think my personal relationships have been more fiery. I'm Latin. It's, it's inevitable. Um, But I can say I've been married to my husband coming up on 13 years, and I've never called him a bad name. I've said, you know, why are you being a jerk right now? But I've never said you're a bleep. Um, And I and I really think that makes a difference because you can't take that back. Heidi, who's one person you've gained your network in the last year that you think more people should know? Minda Hartz and Katrina Kibben, both of them for different reasons. Katrina, because I think she is just the epitome of balls. She believes so deeply in her talent and her ability to help companies um, change the game on their recruiting. And she doesn't, she, she makes no apologies for her, her frankness. And I, I really appreciate that about her. She's just, she's just, really inspiring. And then Minda Hart for so many reasons. I think, you know, being the mom of an African-American child, you definitely, and, and we adopted, right? So it's definitely a learning process of really, you start to actualize all these feelings that people um, in that community have had their whole lives. And reading it as a, reading her book, The Memo as an HR professional really gave me some perspective on things to look out for, microaggressions to look out for, and just really things to be cognizant of um, so that I can be a really good ally to women of color at work. And so those two people are probably the two I would say everyone could learn something from and, and better their practice through. So Heidi, if you could go back to the start of your career, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself based on what you know now? Don't undervalue yourself. So I, it took me, um, my husband has said that to me a number of times in the last five years, because I got to a certain point in my career where I had deep knowledge about HR and legal aspects. And, um, and then I had, a, you know, a, an approach that was different from most HR people um, I was, I would go into rooms and I would say the truth and I would call, you know, leadership out when they were misbehaving. And I never felt like it was welcomed. And I always find, not always, but oftentimes I would be afraid that I'm going to lose my job. And my husband used to say, so what, if you lose your job, you're doing the right thing. And now I, I look at what the world has become in the HR, in the HR realm. And 
um, I realized that what I was doing was really valuable. I just was ahead of my time. Heidi, how do you enjoy giving back to the HR community? I volunteer with Pyra when I can. Um, truth is, if I'm, uh, truth is, I don't give back enough. I'm, I'm not afraid to admit I should do more. Um, I try. I really give back in in other avenues. I'm, I'm a lot more inclined to delve into. I work with a company called Ready to Succeed. It's an organization that helps foster students who are aging out in in the middle of college. Um, really figure out how to how to normalize that, how to get internships, how to write a resume, things like that. What I do more than give back to the HR community is I volunteer my HR my HR chops to people who need it. What's your favorite movie? Ah, oh, I know. I thought about this so deeply because <laughs> I, <laughs> I um our hardest question is mostly because I'm if I'm I'm not a real movie buff. Um, my, my family would kill me if I didn't say Star Wars probably, or some variation of Star Wars. So I'm going to go with Star Wars solo. <laughs> that was a fun one. Yeah. You can't, you can't beat Danny Glover, man. I, that guy is so talented. I just, yeah, I'll watch anything that he's in. How about your favorite musician or band? That one is very easy. John, you're going to, I think you're going to be very disappointed. The Beatles were have been my one of my favorites for most of my life, but I'm also a gigantic fan of Michael Franti. He, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but he was Spearhead. He was Michael Franti and Spearhead many years ago. Now he just goes by um, Michael Franti, and he is um, sort of a reggae rock soul musician who um, literally tours at least 200 days a year. Uh, how about a favorite TV show? I mean, it's so predictable, but this is us for obvious reasons. <laughs> I'm, pre I'm pretty sure I dated someone on the This Is Us writing writer in the oh, This wow. Is Us writer's room because I'm, I say that because they have touched every single traumatic event that's happened in my life. <laughs> Heidi, I have to ask, why do you think I would be disappointed because you said the Beatles and Michael Franti? I feel like there was a Twitter chain about the Beatles maybe not being so fantastic from your perspective. I, no, oh, I like okay, the Beatles. Well, and I, oh, good. while I'm, I'm so not a Michael Franti okay. fan, I certainly am familiar. He plays Richmond, I would say probably three times a year. <laughs> You're right. He's on the road all yeah, the time. You know, <laughs> yes, which is which is why he doesn't have a big label because big labels are like, we can't that. <laughs> well, I'm glad we cleared the air on that because yes, I'm a Beatles aficionado. I, I certainly I, Everybody's entitled to their opinion. When I was a public school teacher, I used to basically tell the kids that were in my general music class why that was the best, why they were the greatest, and why all these things are predicated on what they did. Right. No, they're the, yeah, no, they're honestly my favorite. That was also at the time, this this will date me, so the, the one of the biggest songs at the time was Ghetto Superstar. And mm -hmm. this young lady came into the class singing Ghetto Superstar, and I go, oh, that's Islands in the Stream. She's like, Mr. Thurman, what are you talking about? I said, that's a song by Dolly Parton. It was actually written by Barry Gibb, or uh, not Barry, the oldest Gibb. Anyway, she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I started singing Islands in the Stream, and she started to cry. It, it's, oh, it, it, <laughs> I love yeah, that She story. was devastated because old Mr. Thurman, the old music teacher, sang a country song that was then a hip-hop song. Well, you'll yeah. appreciate this, John. Yes. I had a I had an old boss whose dad was 
Ringo Starr's lawyer. Oh, that's cool. And at cool. the time I had a boyfriend. Yeah. And I had a boyfriend who had a, a, a licorice pizza collection of at least 3000. Wow. And I got him the white album signed by Ringo. That's awesome. That's very, very cool. <laughs> yeah. I didn't get it in the breakup though. <laughs> well, we were together. You mentioned partying with Green Day, which I found fascinating too. That's another story for not the yes. podcast, I think. <laughs> yeah, Totally. Totally. They were a great bunch of guys. If you're not watching Star Wars with the family, if you're not listening to the Beatles or Michael Franny, and and yet again, another plug on the show for This Is Us, if you're not watching that, what else do you like to do outside of work? You know, my family and I like to travel quite a bit. We've gone to England for Thanksgiving one year. We're going to Sedona. We like to travel. I, I spent, you know, I spend time walking my dogs. I've got a lot of, I've still got very little kids. Um, so mostly it's whatever they tell me. I have to do that weekend. Sounds about right. Sounds about yes. right. Yes. And I make jewelry on the side. I, I do. I My creative outlet is that I make, I do wire wrapping. I do beading and I make jewelry. Beautiful jewelry. Beautiful Thank jewelry. you, Wendy. So, yes, she sent me a beautiful pair of earrings and I love them. I wore them to work today and it was, it was fantastic. Thank you so much. Oh, I love Appreciate that. It. You're welcome. Finally, if you were not in HR... Uh, what do you think you'd be doing professionally? I really, I think I would be something in hospitality. I'd either own a restaurant or a hotel. Um, I, I that I really love. I really love hospitality. I could see you doing that. I could absolutely see that too. Mm -hmm, for sure. <laughs> Thanks. Absolutely Thanks. see it. But we're glad you're not. As we always say, if you were, if, you. if you were, we probably wouldn't be talking to you tonight. We probably would not have had a chance to visit, you know, at any time, be it Twitter or anywhere else along the way, or particularly now in person a few times. It's crazy to think we've seen you at least twice this year, right? I know we were, uh, yes. you came by the, the Twitter chat at Vegas. I think that's the first time we, you and I, I met, I think was there, hang out in, in, uh, at Embark as well. There are probably some listeners that don't know you, Heidi, or didn't know you until the show. If those folks want to get in touch with you via social media, what's the best way for them to reach you? I'm uh, literally Twitter is pretty much my only social outlet. Um, Pancake HR is my Twitter handle. And then I am on LinkedIn. There's not a lot of Heidi Pancakes out there, so it should be easy to find me. We will have that in the show notes. And Wendy, how about you? What's the best way for the listeners to find you out there? Best way is, of course, on my blog, mydailyjourney.com, daily D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And of course, fourth Sunday of each month, please join us on Twitter for our monthly HR Social Hour Twitter chat, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. How about you, John? You go to hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Top left-hand side of the screen, three little lines, open them up. You'll see access to all my social accounts there. And while you're there, you can download uh, episodes you haven't listened to yet. Maybe uh, we've talked a little bit about Embark. We put out some Embark-specific mm -hmm. episodes. You can check those out. If you are, are listening on any of the platforms, whatever platform it is, give us a review. Give us five stars, thumbs up, whatever they tell you to do. Help share because everything you do to help boost the signal will help us in the long run. As we've said, this is coming out on Thanksgiving. We're incredibly thankful for all of you, and yeah. especially for those of you listening all the way to the end, because you're going to get something a little different this time. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Heidi, again, really appreciate yeah. you being with us tonight. So for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back. And network. network. Take care, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving.